0: Relationships go, and and great job, by the way, and I love some of your dance moves, Uh, so don't be afraid if you get a phone call from me saying, hey, we need some help. Uh, We are going to talk about... What happens in our relationships when when we encounter problems and, and how we deal with those? And, and for the next four to five weeks, we are going to be looking at one family in Scripture. And so we're going to be looking at different facets of this family. And this is a family that we've, we've never actually talked about here at West. It is the family of Naomi and Ruth. And one of the really cool things about this story that we're going to look at today, and we're going to talk about loyalty, is the fact that this has nothing to do with romantic love interests the, the part of the story that we're going to look at today Now it is a beautiful love story But today we're just going to look at quality relationships and, and what are some of the qualities of those and characteristics that help them be healthy So first of all I want you to think just for yourselves uh, and, and ponder for a moment What do you think a healthy relationship looks like. It can be with your spouse or a friend or a family member. I want you to think for just a few seconds, what does a healthy relationship look like? Just think about that for a few seconds. So just some ideas of components of a healthy relationship are relationships where both partners give. And in any relationship, it's never always going to be 50-50. It, it just doesn't work out that way. Sometimes it'll be 90-10, and other times it'll be 50-50. And, and, you know, depending on where each person and and partner in the relationship comes at the relationship from their personal journey depends on that give and take. But But that's the key. A healthy relationship involves both give and take A healthy relationship can never be all about the taking and, and frankly, that's one of the biggest issues in relationships coming to an end Again, whether it's family or a, a love interest or a friendship Is when one person thinks and, and just focuses on You know, my needs are not being met at all So, you know, this is not for me anymore When we make it all about ourselves and and our needs being met, you you better bet that that relationship's not going to last because, you know, little memo, it's not all about us. And and that's what Jesus teaches us. And that's what this beautiful story of Naomi and Ruth teach us as well. So uh, a committed, healthy relationship involves both give and take. It also involves stellar communication. That is the number one reason that lots of psychologists and psychiatrists will tell you that people come into their offices with severed relationships and also in pastoral counseling is a lack of effective communication. And part of that is we have to figure out how to communicate so that the other person can hear you know, uh, that was one of the biggest issues with Scott and me as we got into this committed relationship and got married and, and then started encountering hurdles. I talk way too much, and I know you think that, and, uh, you know, he, he is a pretty quiet kind of guy, and so I think sometimes he would just tune me out because it would be this this monotone kind of sound coming at him, and so one of the things that we had to learn early on in our marriage was how to communicate effectively. I needed to say, you know, hey, I I need you to listen. This is really important. And believe it or not, over the years, I've actually learned to talk less. Maybe I channel all those words and use them right now. But, you know, um, communication is a big, big part of a healthy relationship. And then the third thing that I want to just throw out there this morning that is a big part of a healthy relationship is an ability to handle conflict in a healthy way. As we're going to see in Scripture in just a second, we all have problems, I mean, I don't think anybody here would argue with that point this morning. We all have problems and difficulties. The, the issue is how do we deal with them? What do we deal with them? You know, what do you do when you have a problem in one of your relationships? Like you know there's this, this problem and, and it could be underlying or it could be big. How do you deal with it? What do you do? Sometimes we like to suppress our problems There's this analogy of of having boxes, you know, in our minds, and we compartmentalize things. So when we have a problem with someone, we put it in a box, and and we like for there to be different boxes to deal with different things. So we can suppress or try to hide our problems. Another thing that we can do is we can procrastinate and just think, ah, we'll deal with it later. And then later never comes, and then the problem builds and It festers and then eventually it blows up. Or maybe we just pretend we don't have any. One of the things that uh, is a non negotiable for me when i do weddings is to do 3 premarital counseling sessions with a couple and we they last anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half and and for those times we talk about what it means to be in a healthy committed relationship some statistics show that 50% of marriages end in divorce so my goal as a pastor is for that covenant to be lifelong and so one of the questions that i ask a couple is tell me what a good fight looks like. So in your own personal relationships right now, and this series, these next several weeks there are a lot about self-reflection for you, and then hopefully applying Christ to that. I want you to think for just a minute about your various relationships, whether again, it is a a committed lover that you are in love with, a, a spouse or a partner, or if it's a friendship, or if it's a family relationship, a familial relationship. And I want you to think about how do you handle conflict in each of those? Healthy conflict is so important. So when I am meeting with a couple and I say, okay, I want you to tell me, what does a good fight look like? If they answer me and say, oh, we never fight. (laughs) There's one of two things that are happening. One is they're not telling me the truth, which that's a deal breaker in counseling. Or number two is someone in the relationship is not being true to who they are. Because at some point in a relationship with someone, I don't care how much you love them, either, you know, best friends or family or a committed partner, you're not going to agree about everything all the time. So at some point in this, this journey, there's, there's going to be some kind of conflict. Now, I will say that, you know, early on in, in ministry, when I would ask that question, I, my gut reaction would be, if they tell me, you know, no, we never fight, I would think, uh, you're, you're lying to me. But I have over the years met people that they have no conflict whatsoever, I'll never forget one couple, and this was like 15 years ago, and, and it, I was green in ministry and, and also to premarital counseling, and, and I was over my head. I'm like, oh, so, so tell me, you know, what does healthy conflict look like? And, oh, we never fight. We love each other, blah, blah, blah. And so then, like, we got two sessions in and I said, okay, so where do you see yourselves five years from now? One partner saw themselves with, with kids, and the other partner did not. That was a deal breaker for them They ended up not getting married to one another And now they're both in committed married relationships and and so happy But if we want to pretend that there aren't conflictual things That we need to talk about and deal with We are fooling ourselves Conflict and problems just exist It's part of life and so that's where we come at the story this morning with Scripture. So we're looking at this lady. Her name is Naomi, and she was married to this guy named Elimelech. And they were from the town of Bethlehem, where Jesus was, was born. And Bethlehem, the word Bethlehem, meant house of bread. So they find themselves in their lives in this part of the story, in this town of Bethlehem that means house of bread, and, and they're starving, Because there was this huge famine that had gone out over all the land. And and so in Bethlehem, there was not enough food to eat. And Elimelech, he was really passionate about providing for his family. He had his wife, Naomi, and they had two sons. And so instead of staying there in Bethlehem, they they left. Now, some scholars will say that part of what happened next is, is a part of the fact that they didn't trust God to provide. That's one way of looking at it. Another way of looking at it is Elimelech was trying to exercise his free will and recognizing that there was, you know, other opportunities out there for him. So he picked up his family and he moved them to the land of Moab. Now, Moab, if you look at this through the Hebrew scriptures, it was called a cursed land because it was from the descendants of Lot. And that's a whole other message series about some very dysfunctional families. If you ever want to look up the biblical story of Lot, it's fascinating. Lots of, uh, that would make a whole, whole sitcom series. But they moved to Moab. It's called the cursed land. They're there. And so here's Elimelech and his wife and their two sons, and the two sons fall in love with Moabites. So they're not marrying people from their own tribe of Israel. They marry, and then it's really important to note that because Orpah and Ruth, these two women that the sons marry, they're marrying into a family that is not from their region. So then both of the husbands fall ill. Well, Elimelech dies first and then both of the husbands fall ill. They die. So here you've got Naomi who's in a foreign land in the land of Moab and she's got these two sister or two daughter-in-laws And she is supposed to, you know, be the one to provide for them. And in Hebrew time, if the husband died, then the relatives, the family was so important. They would take the people into their midst and they would provide care. Well, they're in a foreign land, so there is no extended family at the time. And so Naomi contemplates going back to her homeland, going back to Bethlehem. Now, she's got these two daughter-in-laws, and she embodies a great mother-in-law. She calls them to her, and she said, okay, listen, you don't need to go with me. You just you just stay here in your homeland. Go back to your dads. They're going to take care of you. But I'm going to go back, and I, I feel cursed. I feel like God has just deserted me, and... I'm cursed, and so you stay, and I'm going to leave. Now, Orpah takes her up on it. She's like, okay. They bid farewell. She goes on her way. But Ruth, this is one of the most beautiful, beautiful, beautiful passages in Scripture. And it shows us what real, real, God-like, loving relationships look like. I want you to hear these words that Ruth said to Naomi. Do not press me to leave you. Don't press me to turn back from following you. Where you go, I'm going to go. And where you lodge, I'm going to lodge. Your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me, and more as well, if death ever part, uh, until death parts me from you. Now, when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, when Ruth was determined to go with her, she didn't argue anymore. Don't press me to leave you. Don't push me to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Beautiful characteristics of a loving and healthy relationship. And again, it's so powerful and so cool because it it isn't, you know, between a, a spouse and a spouse. It's between family and not just blood kin as sometimes people refer to it but but a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law and this daughter-in-law i mean she stood to lose everything how did she know that following Ruth was going to give her what she needed? She had no idea. I mean, Naomi is standing there saying, I'm cursed. God must be totally done with me. And that is what the people back 6,000 years ago believed about God. And our theology of God has definitely changed over the years, but they felt like if bad things happened to them, then it was punishment for their sins. That's not how we understand God. And and the, the nature of Jesus Christ proves that very differently in the way that he lived his life. But again, that's a a whole other message. But my point is, Naomi, she was not all about Ruth going with her because she thought she was just a disaster walking. But Ruth saw something more. In our relationships with each other, how often and when are we willing to see something more? Than just the current situation that we face. Remember, personal happiness is not what relationships are all about. It's about being committed, it's about being in love with one another and having that covenant kind of love that says, hey, wherever you go, I'm going to go. Even if it's hard. Even if there is a threat that we may starve to death, wherever you go, I'm going to go. And your people, your realm, your life, it's going to be my people. And your God is going to be my God. Do we do that today? I mean, relationships are tough. But if we will embody this this relationship that Ruth and Naomi show us, and there's one word that it, that, summarizes it all. It's called loyalty. Ruth shows Naomi what it means to be loyal. So this morning in our relationships that we are analyzing and we are thinking about, I want us to to focus on that word. What does it mean to be loyal to one another? Because if loyalty will be the foundation of a loving and healthy relationship, then guess what? They won't just fall apart when we find those first big hurdles. The measure of a healthy relationship is not how wonderful it is when life is going good. The measure of a healthy relationship is to see how that relationship weathers the storms. Because we all know that they are going to come loyalty. It's all about loyalty. And guess what? Loyalty is about self-denial. Ruth shows that. It's not about what she wants or what she knows is going to be easy. She is committed. And you know what? One of the things that that is an underlying issue in so many of our relationships is fear that the commitment of the other person that we are in relationship with is going to end. One of the underlying fears of many of our relationships is that the commitment of the other person to us is going to end. That they're going to leave. That we're not going to be enough. That the relationship will end. So loyalty is about self-denial. Just like Jesus showed us, right? When he went to the cross and and he gave his life so that we could see what true life and being at one with God is all about, it's about self-denial, loyalty. The other thing about loyalty is that it endures all things. Regardless of what the hurdles are that we face, that, that loyalty, it endures. It doesn't stop when the going gets tough. And loyalty never ends. And it also never fails. It's there. We feel it. We know it. Ruth goes to Naomi and and she makes that beautiful promise. And she even goes a step further and she says, you know, I want God to deal with me harshly. Harshly. If my loyalty to you ends. So, I want you to flash forward a couple of thousand years to the time after Jesus was crucified and resurrected. And there was this guy named the Apostle Paul. And he was one of the first followers of Christ. And he founded these churches and, and really you know, moved forward that Christian movement. And he talks about loyalty. And he talks about the loyalty of Christ to the church. And he urged all relationships to mirror that same loyalty that Jesus Christ had to the church. And it was all those things self denial, enduring, and never ends and never fails. So, this morning, that's my challenge to us in our relationships. How loyal are we? Because loyalty changes everything. The church wasn't very old. We were probably a year and a half. And, and there was one of the founding members that was diagnosed with just an aggressive and vicious form of cancer. And the folks that were going through this did not have a very large extended family. And one of the privileges of, of being a pastor was to see what loyalty really looked like. There were so many times that there were surgeries and middle of the night hospital visits. And no matter how quick I could get there, there was always someone not from their, you know, nuclear family, but someone from their faith community family there always. They were never alone. And I know that that took some self-denial on those folks apart and they put other people first. But it was a beautiful picture of what love really looks like. Where do we need to pare back some of our own self-interest so that we could be that for someone else? Where do we need to make it less about us? And more about the others. So that we can live a life of being loyal and say, hey, where you go, I'm going. And your God's going to be my God. Your people are going to be my people. And I'm never going to leave you. Let us pray. Gracious God, you do show us what healthy relationships look like. And we are so grateful that we have you. To be the foundation of those relationships And your amazing love Because you don't ever leave us You are with us when we encounter our hurdles And you show us what Love never ending really looks like Let us now find that love deep within ourselves And offer it to one another In Christ's name we pray Amen So Ben Franklin said This is how we should look at our problems And I think this is very astute Those things that hurt us also instruct us. Those things that hurt us also instruct us. So the next time in one of your relationships you have a problem, instead of arguing about the problem, what if we all take a step back and ask each other, how can we learn from this? It will bring about powerful transformational healing in our relationships if we look at it not as an obstacle, but what can we learn and how can we grow? May we go and may we be a people of growth and a people of love and loyalty and love. Amen.